This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Speaking of Asia, a podcast from The Straits Times. I'm Ravi Velour, and I'm the paper's senior Asia columnist. In this episode, I speak with the distinguished Canadian journalist and author Terry Miliuski on the recent controversy over the alleged killing by Indian agents of the Canadian Sikh Hardeep Singh Nijar. Nijar is designated as a terrorist by India. He ran a Sikh temple in a suburb of Vancouver. He was killed in its parking lot in June by two men who pumped bullets into him and fled in a getaway car. Nijar was known to be an important backer of the demand for Khalistan, which is a homeland for Sikhs, carved out of India's Punjab state. In India, he was wanted for various crimes. I thought of speaking with Mr. Miliuski on this subject because he's been covering the Khalistan issue from at least the 1980s, when I was doing the same. He also is the author of a famous book, Blood for Blood, 50 Years of the Global Khalistan Project. Welcome to Speaking of Asia, Terry. Well, thanks for the invitation. I'm looking forward to it. Terry Miliuski, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau stood in Parliament recently to announce that he had credible grounds to believe that Indian agents killed Niger. What did you make of this allegation? I thought it was extremely surprising. Everyone was shocked. I was shocked. I didn't think uh, that uh, the allegations of Indian involvement in the death of Mr. Nijar were plausible. Uh, most of us thought uh, that uh, at the time uh, that it was most likely to be a local gangland vendetta. Uh, there was uh, a dispute and a lawsuit and bad blood between Mr. Nijar and uh, another prominent uh, Sikh figure in uh, British Columbia, namely Raputaman Singh Malik, uh, known as the financier, known correctly as the financier as the, of the Baba Khalsa, which was the terrorist group which uh, bombed uh, Air India Flight 182 in 1985 with the loss of 329 completely innocent civilians, who of course had nothing whatsoever to do uh, with the Khalistan so-called liberation struggle. And so uh, at, at, after the death of Mr. Malik, in another similar contract gangland mafia-style hit, the, guy, the two guys in, in masks, uh, the getaway car later found burning to get rid of any fingerprints or DNA. Um, when that happened, uh, there was speculation locally that uh, this was not um, some sort of geopolitical hit squad uh, from India or anything like that. No, it was uh, it was considered to be most likely, uh, as I say, a local settling of accounts uh, between bad guys. And let's be clear, uh, Mr. Malik was certainly involved in various criminal activities. He had a lot of enemies. And after that, the police were quite quick in catching uh, the shooters, uh, although they have not been able to catch whoever paid them. They may not even know who paid them as long as they got the money. Uh, uh, they may not even know who paid them. At any rate, that uh, created some speculation about the uh, the reason behind uh, his murder, considering that he had been a prominent Khalistani and uh, the financier of the Baba Khalsa. Uh, and yet in January of last year, uh, he had written a gushing letter uh, praising Prime Minister Narendra Modi of India for the great things that he had done for the Sikhs. And oh, what a wonderful friend Mr. Modi was to the Sikhs, which, of course, completely com contradicts 
the Khalistani version of the story, uh, which is that Mr. Modi heads a fascist and ge- genocidal government, I quote. And uh, so uh, this was uh, must have been seen as treachery uh, by Mr. Malik's former friends in the Khalistan movement. And I'm sorry to go on about Malik's death, but it's relevant uh, when Nijar was killed that it, it, a lot of people explained it by saying, aha, the Malik camp, and that's a, a large group of people. Uh, it's a large universe of his associates uh, gathered over his 75-year lifetime. Uh, it, it certainly made sense to the local rumor mill, let's put it no more strongly than that, uh, that maybe this was a revenge killing uh, to get back at the Nijar camp uh, for the assassination of uh, Mr. Malik. So for all of these reasons, uh, I'm a, and I apologize for the long answer, for all of these reasons, uh, most of us thought, well, uh, this is a- another part of that story. Uh, there's nothing particularly geopolitical here. It's not as though these were uh, independence fighters riding their white horse uh, to lead their people to a new promised land called Khalistan. Uh, it was something much more sordid and grubby than that. And the second reason, of course, that we thought uh, this was such a surprise when Trudeau got up to make his announcement was that, you know, no prime minister is going to make such a charge lightly. No prime minister is going to stand up and stick his neck out that far without having grounds to do so. And so these credible allegations needed to be laid before us, did they not? We needed to see evidence. And we, we assumed that Trudeau wasn't completely crazy, and he must have it. And here we sit without it. Where is it? I mean, without producing the goods. If he doesn't have the goods to prove his case, it seems to me Prime Minister Trudeau won't be Prime Minister very much longer. Could it be that he's under pressure from friendly nations that passed on the information to him to keep quiet for now? Uh, Well, uh, it wouldn't necessarily have to be pressure. It could simply be that the terms of engagement, as it were, are within the Five Eyes group, Australia, New Zealand, UK, Canada, and the US, um, th- those terms uh, dictate confidentiality. I mean, uh, in intelligence sharing, you know, there's a whole treaty between the five eyes about, you know, who shall know and who shall not know and what you do with the intelligence, but everything must be shared. No holding back. So it appears, according to the Canadian leaks, again, I can't put it more strongly than that, but this is what they uh, are claiming, uh, it, they uh, they had some sort of smoking gun uh, sign on their own wiretaps uh, or their own signals intelligence or and or their own human intelligence uh, that uh, the there was some Indian official or diplomat uh, somehow involved uh, somehow implicated in this murder and the Americans provided. Uh, some sort of corroborating information to provide context that, you know, yeah, it turns out that this guy was where they said he was, and he is who they said he is, and yes, he is indeed related, some corroborating details that suggested that the Canadians were indeed onto something, as surprising as it was to those of us who uh, used to think we knew what was going on in uh, in this field, and apparently we were wrong, and there was a lot more going on than we thought. The problem now, of course, is that uh, whether it's pressure from the Allies or what, Trudeau somehow 
feels constrained about uh, revealing the intelligence, and and uh, maybe he thinks that this it, it's against the rules. Uh, uh, but I'm afraid he's already broken them, hasn't he? I mean, maybe he thinks uh, alternatively that this would prejudice the uh, police investigation, uh, having the prime minister get up like this and 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 uh, spill the beans. Uh, well, again, he's already done that, hasn't he? I mean, he hasn't just made an accusation. He's acted on it. He's pointed the finger at India, and he's, uh, he's thrown a, an Indian diplomat, an intelligence officer, out of the country. So don't tell me he's afraid of uh, uh, prejudicing the in investigation. The prime minister of the country has said the allegations are credible uh, and that there is a potential link. So uh, it's, a, it's a puzzle why here we sit... Uh, uh, waiting and waiting and waiting. The days go by. We get a few sporadic leaks, um, and we don't have the goods. He has not produced the evidence. That needs to happen. I find it a bit strange that uh, so many months after the murder, nobody has been picked up as a suspect in this, while at least in the Malik case, there have been at least two people who have been picked up uh, uh, and possibly charged, am I correct? You are correct, and uh, you're correct in putting your finger on a, a, another major problem with Trudeau's position. If they know who's behind it, how come they don't even know who the shooters were? I mean, there's apparently a gang of men. I mean, the, 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 those who, I haven't seen it, but those who have seen the surveillance video from the parking lot at the Guru Nanak Temple, where Nijar was president and where he met his maker on uh, June the 18th, uh, those who have seen that tape uh, describe uh, there's a, a car that blocks his way out of the parking lot. Two men, masked men, come out of the bushes. Uh, they uh, pump 50 bullets uh, into the driver, uh, 34 of which, they can't have been very good shots, but 34 of those bullets hit him. Uh, then they run off uh, through the park, and there's a getaway car over there, a second car, apparently. Uh, and off they go in this 2008 uh, Toyota Camry. Uh, and there are a couple of more guys in the getaway car as well. Uh, so maybe five, maybe six people involved. There's an elaborate affair. Uh, quite, quite a complex piece of planning. Uh, so hmm, um, it, it, why haven't they got the shooters? If they don't have the shooters, how do they figure out who was paying them? Beats me. Interesting. Uh, Terry, how has the Indian diaspora in your country taken this news, uh, particularly the Sikh community? Well, um, uh, I'm glad you said that because the Indian diaspora uh, is um, uh, heartily opposed uh, to the um, small minority of Khalistanis. And, and bear in mind that, uh, of course, that we cannot confuse the two terms, Sikh and Khalistani, two different things. Uh, because the Khalistanis may be Sikhs, but the Sikhs are very much not uh, Khalistanis. Most of the world Sikhs, the overwhelming majority of the world Sikhs, are definitely opposed to the Khalistan independence movement. Uh, in the last election in Punjab, uh, they, the separatists got a pathetic 2.5% of the vote and no seats. And the election before that, they got point. 0.3% of the vote. I mean, nota, none of the above got more votes than the separatists did in a Sikh majority state. So I, I, I don't mean to, to, to lecture on, the, on that, but 
let's not have any assumption that uh, the Sikhs are somehow on the Khalistani side. The Sikhs are not. A small minority of them are Khalistanis. That small minority was initially jumping for joy, mm. to answer your question directly. Uh, that small minority of Khalistanis were jumping to, for joy because their story was vindicated. And remember, it was a pretty wacky story. The original story put about by the Khalistanis, to which nobody paid much attention because it seemed so absurd, mm -hmm. was that merely because there had been a series of deaths in Khalistani ranks around the world, uh, three prominent figures died in the space of about two months. Aha, they said, it must be because the Indians are killing them. Well, it didn't hold up much in one case, in the first case, uh, Mr. Panjwa, I believe it was in uh, Lahore, in Pakistan. Uh, it sounded like a drug deal gone bad. Hmm, it doesn't sound like anything uh, like the Indians did it, maybe. Uh, then the second suspect was uh, Mr. Kanda in Birmingham, England, and he died, as it turned out, according to the hospital, of blood cancer, leukemia. Uh, that wasn't some hit. Nobody burst into his hospital room and pumped him full of cancer. I mean, that's not how it works. That didn't hold up at all. And then the third case was Mr. Nijja in Surrey, B.C. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the idea that because there was this loosely connected uh, series of deaths, therefore India had done it, it seemed too absurd to most people, mm -hmm. uh, and it was dismissed. Right. So, so that was the the feeble grounds. That's where all of this idea started. Mm -hmm. And so the the Khalistanis were overjoyed when the government, as they had it, endorsed their story. You see, the prime minister has shown that we were right all along, uh, but now they're not so overjoyed. Now I believe they are not so pleased because this whole affair has turned the spotlight on them, of people are learning about things they previously did not pay any attention to. And that is, well, who was Mr. Nidja, of whom most Canadians had never heard? And they see the videos of him praising various assassins, praising the assassins of Indira Gandhi, uh, hailing the assassins of uh, former uh, Chief Minister of Punjab, Bayant Singh in 95, hailing the assassins of General Vaidya, who was in command of the Golden Temple, and on and on. I won't bore you, but uh, you can see how the public opinion rather turned against them once right. they realized uh, you know, that maybe they didn't want to shed any tears for Mr. Nijjar and his associates. Mm -hmm. Terry, how is it that among all the countries in the West that Canada, your country, came to have such a large number of Sikhs? Well, firstly, because it's a great country. I mean, they could come here uh, from Punjab and enjoy freedom of speech. Uh, they could carry on their their home country politics if they wanted, uh, and some of them obviously do, uh, and uh, they could prosper. And uh, let it be said uh, that the Indian diaspora generally and the Sikh diaspora in particular, uh, uh, both categories have excelled as immigrants and have done Canada proud. And have, uh, they are prominent, as they are indeed in India. Uh, in the professions, in the military, in business, and all walks of life, uh, the Indian diaspora has done remarkably well, low crime generally, and high level of success. Uh, and um, uh, it's we just have a problem with this small minority, uh, which basically gives uh, them, uh, in the, as many of them feel it th this way, it gives them a bad name. Uh, by uh, carrying on, and not just carrying on, but uh, promoting all kinds of pro-terrorist propaganda mm -hmm. 
mm -hmm. uh, to include, for example, driving through the streets of Toronto, uh, a flatbed truck with a great life-size reenactment, a diorama uh, of stuffed figures reenacting the assassination of Indira Gandhi, uh, with lots of red paint splattered on her sari to make sure that kids watching get the message that this was a bloody affair, and we're proud of it. They celebrated the assassination, as they do many other terrorist acts. And uh, that, uh, of course, is uh, what lies behind the Indian government's ant antipathy and disappointment over this uh, indulgence of the terrorist element, uh, which has been going on in Canada for decades. Right. Terry, if, uh, I've just taken you back to your earlier remarks of where the Khalistan movement is today. Would it be correct to say that the movement, uh, such as it may be, exists more overseas than in India itself? Oh, yes. Uh, I mean, I, I gave you the voting figures, for example. Let me give you one more. I mean, when I tell people this, it kind of knocks their socks off. Uh, Pew Research, which is a prominent and, uh, and very professional, excellent polling company, uh, did uh, a, a very large survey in India, 2019, published in 2020. They were months in the field. They went all over the country. They did endless interviews. And they asked Sikhs in Punjab, the Sikhs' homeland, uh, they asked them uh, about these questions, and uh, they got this result. 95% of them, of the Sikhs in Punjab, 95% said they were very proud to be Indian. 70% of them went even further, and they said that if you didn't, if you weren't a proud Indian, that if you disrespected the nation of India, then you couldn't be a real Sikh. You're not really a Sikh. Uh, you know, which which drives a truck right through the claims of the Khalistanis to be the authentic voice of the Sikhs. Well, apparently not. And I mean, what's so striking about that figure is that, I mean, you can't get 95. If you look at polling, I'm a reporter of many years, and, you know, we all, uh, we like polls because it gives us something to report. Uh, but if you study polling at all, you know that you can't get 95% for anything. I mean, you can't get 95% peaches and cream. <laughs> uh, you know, there's always there's always 15 or 20 percent malcontents who don't like something, but apparently not in this field. So add that to the to the to the figures uh, of the last couple of elections that I gave you earlier. Right. Uh, add to it the fact that the Sikhs are generally very well off in India. Mm -hmm. uh, if you divide in, in the Indian population in, in, into five bands, 60 percent of the Sikhs are in the top richest band of all Indians. Other groups, the Hindus, the Muslims, Christians, you name it, they're all about 20% make it into the top fifth. But the Sikhs, up there, 60% of them are in that top band. We could go on, but directly on that question. In India, hmm. the Khalistan movement has been dead and going deader for 30 years. Right. Terry, uh, earlier you spoke about that flatbed truck uh, uh, with, with that uh, little pantomime uh, of uh, the uh, Indira Gandhi uh, shooting. Now, India complains that Canada has done very little to curb some of these more outlandish things that uh, take place there. Uh, and, you know, sitting here in Singapore, and I know that most countries in, in Southeast Asia would not have allowed such a thing to happen. But why does this happen in your country? 
there has to be first somewhere that leads the way in any movement, whatever the movement is. There has to be somewhere where they get together and spark off each other and generate some sort of global leadership. It just it happens to be Canada because Canada has been a very accommodating country and welcomes immigration. We are a nation of immigrants. And uh, it also happens that uh, it, Canada has been extremely indulgent, uh, partly, not exclusively, but partly for political reasons, by which I mean electoral reasons, um, of, of the uh, most extreme uh, Khalistani elements. Uh, for example, we have traditionally always said, uh, e even for uh, m provocations like the diorama of uh, the Indira Gandhi assassination, ah, it's free speech, free expression. We are a free speech country. We are a, uh, a classically liberal country with free speech, human rights, the rule of law, equality before the law, and so on. All very valuable uh, uh, in Canada. Another reason why so many people want to come here. And especially they want to come here if they want to uh, march uh, and wave flags uh, of uh, opposition uh, to the government in their previous home countries. Mm -hmm. Terry, you brought up uh, the uh, crash of uh, Air India 182 back in 1985, and I think you covered that extensively. Uh, it was quite clear that the bombs were planted in the cargo hold in Toronto uh, before takeoff, and several people were arrested. But uh, the kingpins walked free after a long trial. Now, I'm a little puzzled by all this. Could you explain this to me? I mean, after all, it was the biggest terrorist incident involving your country as well. Indeed. In fact, that was the deadliest terrorist attack anywhere ever until 9-11. Uh, this, this was an, uh, an enormous atrocity. Um, this was, uh, very briefly, this was an attempt to create an even more spectacular terrorist atrocity by exploding two bombs on two Air India planes at opposite sides of the globe simultaneously. That's what they were planning to do. And in, uh, at Vancouver Airport, they checked in the bombs. They, they, they bought uh, tickets with one phone call. Both bombs were booked. The, the flight paths were booked in one phone call by one person. Uh, so th these were not separate plots, in other words. Uh, and they checked them in at Vancouver Airport on planes, one going to Toronto to connect with Air India and flying east to London and then to N New Delhi, and the other one flying west to Tokyo and on to Bangkok and then on to Mumbai. And uh, the second one uh, was jostled uh, in, in, uh, on the ground in Tokyo, changing planes. The baggage handlers must have shaken it a little bit and blew up and killed two of the baggage handlers and wounded four others. Uh, but the one flying east uh, from uh, on its last leg from Montreal to Heathrow uh, blew up in the air uh, off the coast of Ireland. Fast forward now to the trial. For many, many years... Uh, this plot uh, was uh, impenetrable to the police, even though the Canadian uh, Security Service, uh, CSIS, uh, had the suspects under surveillance, get this, for three months before the bombing. They even followed them into the woods where they carried out a test bombing three weeks before the real thing, just to make sure it would blow up 
So that is uh, that that was a simply a disastrous failure of incompetence. They didn't take it seriously. They didn't figure out what they were up to. And even though, as I said, when I say they were under surveillance, they actually were wiretapping the leader of the plot, Talvinder Singh Parma's phone. They were wiretapping him for those three months, but they didn't translate and listen to the wiretaps. Oh, well, we didn't have a Punjabi translator. I mean, pull out the stops, guys. You know, the, find one. There are Punjabi, you know, there's, well, there are now three quarters of a million speaking Punjabi in Canada. So there was that disaster. Uh, so that then uh, evidence was lacking, evidence was lost, and evidence in the form of wiretaps. They, they'd erased them. They, they didn't translate them. They thought, oh, there was a pileup. We need those ta- to reuse those tapes. They have all kinds of excuses for why that they dropped the ball. Afterwards, then, uh, the, uh, the plot, uh, the members of the plot uh, were skilled in covering their tracks, uh, the police were not so skilled, and when it finally came to trial, the legal system was excellent at this valuable skill, ruling out evidence as inadmissible that would have convicted them. Vital evidence, stories of witnesses describing a confession, how one of the suspects actually described, and he heard it all, how they got the bombs on the plane. Uh, the, the one of them had a lady friend who said that the, had, the suspect had come to knock on her door late at night to borrow her car uh, the night before the bombs were placed, at saying that he needed to borrow her car to take bags to the airport. But don't worry, I'm not going anywhere. I'll bring the car back because only the bags are traveling. I'm not going with them. And he added, if I am caught, you will never see me again. So this was the the kind of evidence. And and another gentleman who heard uh, one of the suspects describing how they got the bombs after that to the airport because she refused to to lend her car. Uh, All of that was ruled inadmissible. Everything I told you is inadmissible evidence. And furthermore, the gentleman who heard the confession and described how they got the bombs to the airport was murdered before he could testify. That is the short answer, uh, I could go on, but that is the short answer to why the case failed and they were not convicted. Only the bomb maker, Interjit Rayad, the mechanic from uh, Vancouver Island, only he was convicted, uh, and he spent uh, most of, uh, almost uh, going on 30 years in prison, Uh, but the others were acquitted at the trial because there was no evidence left. By the time valuable evidence was ruled inadmissible, and valuable witnesses were murdered. Terry, if the Khalistanis are a minority, even within the Sikh community, as you say, why do the Canadian politicians tread so carefully around this issue? What are they afraid of? Uh, well, I, I, I think um, I, I'm probably not going too far, I don't think, by answering stupidity and incompetence. I mean, there's no polite way to describe what Canadian politicians have been doing doing low these many years in looking the other way, going to the Vaisakhi parades at militant uh, temples, Gurdwaras, and smiling and waving and hustling for votes as the parade floats go by, decorated with the images of gun-toting martyrs, assassins, and mass murderers. Uh, They've had a nice little arrangement 
with the local Gurdwara, whereby I won't say anything about all of this. I'll just smile and wave and look the other way, and you'll bring me a nice block of 10,000 votes. And this vote bank politics has worked. Not just for the liberals, by the way. Indians often say, uh, well, you know, it's all Trudeau. Well, no, no. If you look back through the history, uh, all parties have been guilty of this, of wanting to suck up to this small minority. But your question is, well, if it's such a small minority, why does that pay them? Well, the answer is it doesn't. They're just dumb. They think that the way to get elected is to please the most militant uh, uh, section of the community. But if they look at it, I mean, if you actually look, it's very hard to get elected as a Khalistani in Canada. It's easy if you disguise it, if you pretend you're not, if you deny that you're a Khalistani, then you've got a chance of getting elected. But overt Khalistanis do not. And opponents of the Khalistanis, Ujjal Dassange, for example, and maybe a name that you recognize, he became premier, the chief minister, if you will, of of British Columbia. He was a federal cabinet minister, most successful Sikh politician of his generation in Canada, uh, and, a, and a, a, a strong opponent of the Khalistanis, who risked his neck back in the days in the 80s, uh, before the Air India bombing, by denouncing these people and, uh, and denouncing violence. And he was beaten within an inch of his life by a man with an iron bar who nearly killed him. And he was elected and re-elected with that record for more than 20 years in Canada, in, in a heavily Sikh writing. So mm-hmm. if you look at the evidence, you would say, well, this is, you know, if, if, if you're sensible, if you stand up to the Khalistanis, you can get elected and handily. And yet the politicians, mm-hmm. and this is why I say they're stupid, they, it, it's, it's easy to believe that the people who say that they are the voice of the Sikhs, all the Sikhs, they speak they are the authentic voice of the Sikh. It's easy to believe them. And they, th- th- that's incompetent. That's dumb. That's a lack of skepticism. Well, just because you say you represent the Sikhs doesn't mean that you do. Do you think uh, this could rebound on Trudeau uh, now that I understand that the uh, Indian government has uh, stopped issuing visas to Canadians and there's even the threat that uh, the OCI, which is the Overseas Citizenship of India, which uh, basically uh, is a sort of a semi-passport that allows you free entry into India, could be revoked for a lot of people. And could that uh, uh, ultimately uh, work against Trudeau? Yes. uh, I think everything about this affair will work against Trudeau. And that's why I said earlier that his prime ministership uh, may be over uh, if he cannot uh, bring this ship to harbor. Uh, by which I mean the relationship between the two countries, uh, and and, and, uh, restore it uh, to its previous fragile state, uh, where they were at least uh, a a month ago, they were discussing a free trade agreement. Well, that's that's out the window now, isn't it? To all of these, the, 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 the question of visas, the reduction of diplomats, the downgrading of relations, uh, the tit for tat expulsions, um, uh, the travel advisories, uh, you've, it, it's, it's a bad situation between two democracies who ought to be allies, should be allies, and uh, nominally still are. They are still nominally democracies, uh, and, and India is supposed to be the West's new valued friend, the new, uh, the, the new member of the anti-China club that we rely upon in the Indo-Pacific region 
to represent us, to be on our side as we stand against China. Well, uh, all of that is is in question, and I think it's certainly going to rebound, to use your word, uh, on uh, Trudeau that he has made this accusation and to date not substantiated it. However, if he does substantiate it, if he lets us, he, if he persuades the public in Canada and around the world that, uh-oh, he's got something good, uh, then this will be a different story, uh, and he may, may very well survive uh, to live again to fight another day. Because the thinking then would be what? The thinking then was that he, he stood up to, for a valuable liberal principle, the rule of law. I mean, he, he, he sees himself as a classical liberal, a uh, small-l liberal. Uh, his father was justice minister and a law professor before him. Uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, who coined the phrase, the state has no place in the bedrooms of the nation, and other bon mots. Uh, 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 he, he was uh, a powerful influence, obviously, on his son, who believes himself to be standing for the principle that it doesn't matter how bad a guy you are. It doesn't matter if Nijar was a bad guy. The principle is that you cannot have a world, uh, not, it, it certainly isn't a liberal world, you cannot have a world where your country can invade my country in dead of night and assassinate uh, your critics in my country uh, on my soil. No, that's a breach of international law, a breach of any law, and we can't have that sort of Hobbesian dog-eat-dog world. We've got to have the law prevail. Terry, that was precisely the point I made uh, in my column last week. I want to end this fascinating conversation with you, Terry, by asking a question. You sort of alluded to it. Where is Canada's Indo-Pacific policy as it stands today? I mean, if Trudeau's thought to be bluffing, he's still in bad shape because he's pissed off the Indian government. But if he produces the goods as you describe it, then it makes things worse. What happens to Canada and the Indo-Pacific? Well, it, I mean, it, it may be that either way uh, it's it, it sunk uh, the, and, and that we're in, in for a generation of bad relations, uh, quite possibly. Um, it, it may be that either way, even if they were to, even if he were to say, land this plane safely and produce the goods that does convince people that India is done, there is a problem, is there not, that many Indians, perhaps most Indians, they say, may cheer for Modi. Good for him. We don't care. We're not crying in our beer because of the assassination of a terrorist. Good for Modi. He's a hero. Uh, he's, he's set to sweep back into power, is he not, already? Uh, so that's one problem. Second problem, what about the Canadians who feel the same way? Many Canadians, uh, having examined now that, okay, now that we've heard of Mr. Nidger, now that we've seen the videotapes of him, him railing in favor of assassin, well, Mr. Nitcher doesn't seem to have been anti-extrajudicial executions, does he? He thinks they were great. Well, it happened to him. Tough luck. We're not crying any tears for Mr. Nitcher. So I, I, I would predict uh, that there will be a very powerful impulse in uh, India if the case were proved. Uh, to rally behind Modi and to applaud him for getting rid of Mr. Nidja, and that there would be not quite as powerful, but there would be some people in, in Canada who would feel the same way uh, and that they've had enough of you know going out and having their children 
in Brampton see the parade of martyrs, uh, the assassination of Indira Gandhi celebrated, the, the uh, killer posters naming and shaming Indian diplomats uh, upon whose backs uh, targets have been painted because they are allegedly killers, according to the Khalistanis, uh, and much besides. The I mean, we've spoken of the Air India bombing, the mastermind of that bombing, Delvinda Palmar, is fated and glorified as a great martyr, a hero of the Sikh nation, with a life-size portrait uh, on the outside wall of a major gurdwara in Surrey, British Columbia. Uh, so, so we are glorifying terrorism, and we have no law currently, although everyone else does, against glorifying terrorism. Canada has been asleep on that. They've had a recommendation uh, from a parliamentary committee uh, to introduce such legislation to stop those kinds of things, uh, the incitement of violence and the glorification of terrorism. But eight years after that committee reported, we have had no action. So uh, Britain has had the, that legislation, for example, uh, for now, what? Uh, since, I believe, 2006, so what's that, 17 years, uh, they've had legislation to ban the glorification of terrorism. In Canada, apparently, it's still okay. Let's cheer for the uh, terrorist assassins. Terry Melisky, thank you so much for coming and speaking of Asia. I hope I wasn't too depressing. <laughs> thank you. I enjoyed the questions. That was fun. And that's a wrap for Speaking of Asia, a podcast series by the Straits Times Asian Insider Channel. I'm Ravi Velour. Don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and family. If you'd like to read my articles, we have links in our podcast show notes below. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.